Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, by uh, my, my show of hands, who of us are are intending to to find enlightenment in this lifetime? Show of hands. Yep, you in the back. Come on, hands up. Are I mean, this is a spiritual podcast, and for some reason you've tuned in to to get some information for your for your path. Right? So so spiritual growth, spiritual expansion, where do I what's a metric that I measure that with? What I mean, can I get out a yardstick? Oh wait, they're not making yardsticks any longer anymore. Um how do we do that? Well, I would suggest the notion of vibrational equivalence, the vibrational equivalence of what you're seeking. Well, what do I mean by that? Vibrational equivalence. So if I if I load up my psyche with hate and guilt and shame and remorse and blah, 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 Vibrationally, those are not in alignment with what I'm seeking. We're, we're talking about a spiritual journey here. I'm, my choices and my karma, what I've loaded up in my psyche, the, the energetic equivalent of myself, my karma, has components that are not in resonance with that which I seek. I would suggest that you could say enlightenment is healing your relationship with unconditional love. Unconditional love is, um, I mean, we've talked about light, L-I-G-H-T, the the non-local God consciousness at our core, but how the hell do we how do how do we move in? How do we you know set up the the tiki bar and the and the overstuffed couch in this uh, uh, this uh, lounge of consciousness to bring our bodies into vibrational alignment with love and since uh, this show we're going to be talking about our food but before we get started I want to talk about water 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 I've been uh, I spent a lot of time day in and day out Scrubbing my psyche, metaphorically, scrubbing my psyche of incongruent energy within my persona. And I got the hit, I got, I guess, several years ago to to focus on the water that I drink. I've put in a reverse osmosis filter. And then I, after I strip everything out of the water, I replace it with 
I, I add minerals to it, but th- there's something called the vitality, <clears throat> excuse me, the vitality of water. The vitality of water. If you internet search the bovis scale, B-O-V-I-S, water has a vitality index. And it's a, it's a very curious thing. So I, I found a, a water revitalizer and I put it after the reverse osmosis filter. I put it after the the mineral component. And once I got all that hooked up, I took a drink. And the reason I'm sharing this story is my body. My body, when I took that first drink of water, my body is like, holy crap, what is this? This is fantastic. Oh my gosh. My body really had a, a, a very prominent reaction for me to focus on the quality, the vitality of the water I was drinking. So for about two weeks, I couldn't get enough. My body kept saying, another, get an, another glass, another glass. So I drank a lot of water for like two weeks and I would say my health improved 500%. I think the vitality of the water translated into the vitality of my cells. My body loved that I took the time. I took the time and listened to my body's intuition for what it wanted in this water processing chain that's all under the sink in my kitchen. My body, <laughs> um, I haven't looked back. And and I can, if you buy bottled water in the store, that water's pretty much mm, like dead water or um, stagnant water. And And then if you think of a, High up in the Swiss Alps, uh, uh, the crystal clear water of a babbling brook. That might, by its very nature, have a high vitality rating. So I know the water that I drink has helped me come into vibrational alignment with what I intend to create in my life. Vibrational alignment. So I think we're going to have a great show tonight. I think we should get to it. And so why don't we get to it? The topic tonight is, why why am I eating this? What the hell? And our guest tonight is Sandy Robertson. Why am I eating this is the title of her latest book. Why am I eating this is... This, the nourishment I need. It's in its second edition. There's valuable insight to be found when we take a close look at our eating habits. Understanding how and why we eat can reveal that our deeper self is in need of self-care. 
Have you ever asked yourself, is this the nourishment I need? In the book, Why Am I Eating This?, registered nurse and former corporate and hospital wellness program manager, Sandy Robertson, shares steps in which the reader can transform their relationship with food, making space for self-care as a form of nourishment. With a background in holistic nursing and leading preventative lifestyle changing programs around body, mind, and wellness for several corporations and hospitals, Sandy brings her wealth of knowledge to the second edition of the book. Sandy is an author and a board-certified holistic nurse. For the past 25 years, she's been a notable corporate and healthcare systems manager, leader, educator of wellness and obesity programs, and she has been in the forefront of integrative and complementary and body-mind approaches to behavioral change. Behavioral change, moving the vibrational equivalence of your persona. She is also a certified medical intuitive and a certified healing touch practitioner who weaves the traditional art and science of medicine with mind-body approaches to well-being. You can learn more at energyworkswisdom.com. Join me in welcoming Sandy Robertson to the show. Sandy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wes, and what a great intro with vibrational equivalence. That will be It'll be a joy to talk about all this with you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. The, I mean, our we're, we're kind of we're kind of the sum total of our choices, and eating can be eating can be such a, a decisive element. I, I mean, if we're eating the if we're eating things that that don't nourish us, nourish us, or perhaps the reason why we're eating things isn't nourishing us. Um, eating really decides such a big part of our body, this vessel, this this persona that we all occupy. So what what brought you to write a book, Why Am I Eating This?, well, the short answer last is that one afternoon I was snacking on pretzels. I just kept mindlessly eating them. I love pretzels. Around 4 p.m., and it literally popped into my head like a light bulb moment. Why am I eating this? Why do I just keep eating these pretzels? I'm not really that hungry. And that was another light bulb moment in terms of the thousands of stories I had heard through the years in hospitals and corporations managing wellness, fitness, and obesity programs, and hearing people's stories. And so many people over and over said, I know I eat when I'm not hungry, or I eat too much, or I eat too fast, or I know I'm just eating, you know, for comfort. So it was so interesting. People are aware, you know, there's so much information out there about nutrition and what to eat, what not to eat. People are aware, but these other factors go in, the deeper issues of people's 
mindset and psyche and perhaps history of trauma, what's going on in their life, emotionally, spiritually, physically, energetically. And then they're faced with food choices. And I believe the food choices are a reflection of how much they care about themselves, love themselves, and how tuned in they are to their bodies, minds, emotions, and spirits, and what it is that their body really needs right now. And you gave a great example with the water. You tuned in and got a you know, very vivid response. And so my hope with this book is that people will start looking at their relationship with food and shift into another perspective, that it really is about energy, too, not just some food on a plate. Right. Well, the food we eat has an energetic component to it. But, but the, exactly. the, the, the idea of um, the habit, like, like you had mentioned with pretzels, the habit, the impulse, even the, the, the hand-mouth um, gesture, so to speak, the habit can even if the food that we have before us has, is, has a lot of vitality and is fresh and healthy, the habit of needing to eat or, or feeling the need to eat is, is a component I'd like to break apart at the beginning of this, and then later we can turn around to the kinds of food that we eat. When when you were eating those pretzels out of repetition, what did uh, did you any did you get any ideas of the impulses in your psyche that made that repetitive behavior preferable? That's a great question. And by the way, I still love pretzels. <laughs> I just, I just I, eat I them. like chocolate. <laughs> right. Sparingly. You know, around once a year, I trust myself to bring a bag into the house. Um, you know, I'm one of these people who likes crunch and salt. So they say, you know, you either crave salt or sugar. And I love salt. I love crunch. And in many ways, they make me happy. I mean, popcorn, I feel the same way about popcorn. But over the years, especially as I got more into the mind-body connection and mindful eating, it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, why am I mindlessly eating this? Am I substituting it for something else? Um, am I bored? So now I'm more attuned to labeling it and then being able to ask myself a question, do I really want to eat this? Like, you know, what's going on if I'm hungry? Maybe an apple would be a better choice. <laughs> or maybe a walk. So I don't remember what was going on that exact minute way back when. I was actually at a friend's house and having a good time. But one thing I bring up in my book, which I think is important, is it's okay now and then to just say, you know what, this is fun and I want to have it, a food item. Or this is entertainment. I want to have it and label it that, especially now and then. It's when it's a daily or many times a day habit, and we can't stop with the quantities that I think it gets into trouble for people. So just that tool of labeling it and asking or maybe re-asking, is just something I really 
want to put into my body right now? Is this the best fuel? Or maybe I'm thirsty. Maybe I'm dehydrated, need some good water. To to bring yourself out of the pattern, I mean, in your first chapter, you talk about self-awareness. To, I mean, because if you're stuck in the um, subconscious um, imprinting of of eating, you know that patterned habitual habit that we might have generated for ourselves. In order to, like you say, um, ask yourself or perhaps catch yourself, is to be self-aware of of your eating habits. Uh, does that? Yes. Yes, and what's driving it. So people may have a habit of 4 4 to 4.30 every afternoon. They want a snack. Maybe that's from childhood, and they got a reward when they got home from school. For everyone, it's different. I have a chapter in my book called, you know, Uncover the Mystery of Your Eating History. For everyone, it's different, the habits and patterns they grew up with. So was food a reward? Was it self-soothing? Was it a mother showing love? Was it that meant fun in the house when snacks were brought out? It could mean so many things. But I think for each of us then, unraveling it to, okay, that meant fun when I was growing up, but now in the year 2024, I don't need pretzels every afternoon. (laughs) Right. Right. I, I'm happy being with myself, tuning in, and going for a walk. You know, going for a walk between four and four thirty, and just being, and being connected to nature. So for everyone, it's different that unraveling the mystery of their eating history, and also what food means to them based on childhood, and then being willing to shift. You know, with love. An appreciation, saying well, that's how I grew up. Those are the habits and patterns for this or that reason. Maybe it was cultural, but now I get to re-choose and re-decide out of whether it's being at a higher vibration, less, or just being in a different state of mind where people can appreciate their bodies as a sacred temple and wanting to honor them and nourish them in a different way. Because it's not about being perfect every day. It's just more times than not remembering that food going in is a sacred nourishment. And and there's consequences to it. The uh, Yes. When I, uh, you talk about memory of, memories of food from our past, my father, I mean, uh, he loved root beer floats. And if you're listening outside the country, root beer is a soda like Coca-Cola or Pepsi. And you put ice cream in it, which is like a serious hit of sugar. So the liquid's a lot of sugar and the ice cream's a lot of sugar. No wonder my dad liked it. And it was <laughs> it was like a... Uh, kind of a tradition that on your birthday or whatever, you'd go out for root beer floats. And talk about a sugar coma. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's delicious going down, but 45 minutes later, your body crashes. Yeah. 
from because you're throwing your digestive tract or whatever into hyper hyper um, sugar overdose. And I and I decided a long time ago I didn't want to sit there and give my body this this sugar shock. And so I I quit drinking root beer floats and my kids are giving me crap and. They're like, come on. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's, you know, a a big deal. But sometimes you have to make choices, I think, if you're you're serious about growing who you are and, and becoming mindful and honoring the vessel of your body. Sometimes it's making choices that aren't that easy to make sometimes. I agree think? with you. I agree with you lots, especially when it's uh, changing a family tradition. The one thought I did have is you were saying that the image I had was of you and your children all having wine root beer float with spoons and straws, you know, and sharing it. I don't know if that would work, but sometimes right. sharing a dessert does work. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's going back to that bridge of honoring the past and now and then having the celebrations, but perhaps everyone sharing the item and then feeling secure enough and empowered enough to develop new traditions for ourselves, whether it's the foods we buy, you know, restaurants we go to and the things we order and having it be aligned. I think that alignment, and for me, actually writing this book, one of the reasons I wanted to write it is the word diet is so often used or this, you know, way of eating or that way of eating or this way of fasting or that way of fasting. And for everyone, it's different. It needs to be personalized. So, I wanted to throw the spaghetti against the wall, so to speak, and have people be able to un, un, un nice have food metaphor. Unravel. There. Yes, yes. So for all of us, it's unraveling the past and choosing the memories and habits that we still want to keep, even if it's now and then, with the new daily and hourly ways of nourishing our minds, body, spirits, and energy systems. And I find when I counsel clients and talk to them and approach it in this way of nourishment and labeling food in new ways and being able to just label it, you know, something that I'm going to feel good if I eat it or I'm not, I'm not going to feel so great. So then can I re-choose? You know, and, and that self-talk, and which is another chapter in my book about positive self-talk and, you know, asking ourselves questions, do I really want to eat this? How will I feel if I eat it? How will I feel tomorrow morning? Or to slow down. That can be so empowering. So giving people, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before. If you take something away in terms of a habit, it needs, you need something new so you don't feel such a loss. And Many people I've counseled who have lost a lot of weight and then gained it back were never quite able to make that transition from downsizing their food, you know, calories to 
I'm just giving this an example, like some of the frozen, sure. you know, diet things that might be 800 calories or 500 calories for dinner, 600, whatever it is. And then they they try to replicate that for themselves. Going late, it's not practical. They haven't made that shift to them making the choices to downsize the portions and being able to be satisfied with that. So that, to me, is the missing piece. The other thing I wanted to write about, that it's when we look at it as self-care, self-nourishment, and self-love, then if we look at a plate that has a lot of greens and salads and whatever protein we choose and vegetables, it doesn't feel like we're being deprived because we've re- been able to relabel it as nourishment and fuel that's going to fuel my brain and my body and my spirit and my energy system. Nice. Well, I, you know, to me it seems like perhaps the place we make these choices is when we're pushing the shopping cart around at the market. Absolutely. I mean, if if the only thing I buy is food that my body wants and the food that nourishes me, it, at least it makes it tougher <laughs> to make a bad choice once you get home. <laughs> I agree, absolutely. Yes, I'm the same way. I don't bring it into the house unless I'm sharing it with people. That's just me. Uh, you've probably heard the expression shop the perimeter of the grocery store where, you know, natural fruits and vegetables are and protein. But then they say now with all the displays, the special displays of snack food and junk food, that's not Mm -hmm. the case anymore. But, yeah, being discerning in the grocery store is that's the first step to reshaping our environment so at home, our environment of food nourishment is nourishment that supports us. Nice. The, well, the I like the idea of of when you're buying the food, you're holding the food, you're you're vetting the food to to see if it's actually going to nourish you. I I think the I heard the other day that there's some um there's some food industries that are making ice cream that doesn't melt. And so what I'm getting at <laughs> is they've loaded up non food food in the ice cream in, in like um or um, there can be, just like I talked about water at the beginning, there can be a real difference in, like, the vitamins. There's mm-hmm. what's called denatured uh, vitamins. So you can hold two bottles of vitamin C, and one bottle has a high-vitality vitamin C, and the other bottle has been processed so much, it doesn't have a lot to offer to your body. And And to literally go through... I remember I was using coffee creamer, and my body's like, "Yeah, I know it tastes good, but can we can we try a different brand?" Mm-hmm. Again, it's my body telling me. I mean, we might have had eating habits that so we always buy this and we always buy that, and like you say, to bring 
a, a self-awareness to this, a, a sense of mindfulness to our eating patterns. We we might eat the same thing, but by a more uh, uh, higher vitality version of it, if that makes sense. Absolutely, Les, absolutely. And then it doesn't feel like we're being deprived because we're substituting this high vitality, high energy, beautiful to look at. I love the expression, eat the colors of the rainbow. That makes it, I think, easier for people to choose the vegetables and what's going into a salad. You know, just think, eat the colors of the rainbow. That's from the earth, by the way. <laughs> and, um, versus I'm just thinking of some of my favorite snack items. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, and salads and vegetables. And just that we're not being deprived. We're offering ourselves this bountiful, bountiful energetic vitality to help. I keep going back to our brains, but I think it is important because there's a lot out there in the environment, just everywhere um, that can affect our brain chemistry. And so being cognizant of that to me makes me even more so want to put healthy food, vibrationally healthy food into my body. So you've worked in the healthcare uh, industry for 25 years. Um, what I'm getting at is you've seen people go through transformation. Um, I mean, there's people listening to the show that might be obese. They might have chronic fatigue. They might be um, unaware of of the impact that food has on their persona. Can can you give us some some an, an insight as to the types of transformation these principles have had with people? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. First of all, Les, I think the concept of mindful eating, even if people don't call it mindful eating, but being more intentional or deliberate has helped a lot of my clients and I taught a lot of group classes. So probably thousands of people went through them and I would take a, a raisin or something and do a mindful eating exercise. And that the concept of chewing, really chewing and tasting and savoring the food and being satisfied with less. That was one of the main, you know, aha moments for people that they could be satisfied with less from chewing and tasting and savoring. And that helped them, that was a bridge to understanding they didn't need to eat, you know, five times what they needed. So eating slowly, being present with the food, chewing, savoring, tasting has helped a lot of people lose quite a bit of weight, actually. Also, people on their own, came forward and said, when I really focused on chewing my food, my digestion was so much better. So that was something I really loved hearing those stories. Became aware that their environment when they were eating, when it was really stressful or noisy with a lot of background noise, they became more anxious and ate more. 
So that was an awareness for many clients of having a deliberate environment to eat, even if they work in a group setting where they're eating with other people, now and then taking lunch, you know, off to a bench by themselves or maybe outdoors if possible in nice, nice weather. So having that environment was important. You know, people also started becoming aware of the gut-brain connection, which there's more and more research about. And so once my clients started hearing about the gut microbiome and how important that is, a healthy gut microbiome, and we had a lot of doctors lecturing on that, and that there's bacteria in our gut that's important too and healthy, and that that links to the brain. It's bidirectional the gut-brain connection. So if there's food that isn't good or the gut microbiome is sort of out of balance, that can affect our brain chemistry and how we're feeling. Uh, Conversely, if we're depressed or upset emotionally, that can affect our gut and digestion. You know, literally sometimes we're very upset. Information combined with, I would say, self-talk and that awareness once people learned in these group classes that they could be their own best coach. A lot of people use the example when I'm out at a restaurant, it's hard, you know, when everyone's ordering a lot of food or they're eating really fast. And so learning those tools to say to themselves at a restaurant with a group, slow down, put my utensils down. I can choose what I want that's best for me. Slow down. I can stop, you know, when I'm finished. We're tools that that really taught them self-care. And that was the theme over and over again in the classes that I taught, you know, mindful self-care. And that shifts the whole perspective once again into something about this is a gift I'm giving myself and I'm not depriving myself. The food portions in the United States are can can be huge. I remember a friend of mine was visiting from Australia, and he's like, "Les, Les, are you kidding me?" And we're sitting in a restaurant, and they're bringing out a salad, and it's like that salad could feed my whole family, and it's not, you know. The, the, and how many times were some of us told, you know, they're starving people in China, so eat the damn food, you know, clean your plate off, so to speak, as some form of respect. But but in truth, if you have to eat all the food that's put down in front of you, that's not self-respect. It's... Uh, it's okay to not finish it or or get a get a, take it with you and and have it for dinner or the next day or something like that. The idea that I mean um a lot of restaurants in in the United States serve just huge portions per person per meal and it's it's part of the culture that we need to become, like you say, we need to become mindful of and and not, um, once we feel full, to know that that's enough and then either return the food and that's not a crime. You don't have to eat everything that's put down in front of you. Either take it home or, be, or, or leave it. 
because you as a person, that's self-respect. That's self-respect to say, eating the rest of this will not serve me. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you say, Les, it's self-respect, it's self-care, it's self-love. To realize it's probably four four dinners <laughs> in a restaurant meal. A lot of times, not always, but especially with the salad or other things that are served. So eating a quarter of it and being thrilled that you get to take it home and have three more dinners <laughs> with perhaps a side salad or vegetables added, to me, that's like win, win, win all the way around. You know, I had a delicious meal in a delicious restaurant and then get to enjoy it for three more nights. Yippee. <laughs> Very nice. Well, um, you have a certified healing touch practitioner, a certified medical intuitive. I mean, uh, that's got the the mind, body, spirit vibe to it. How do you see the food that we eat as as how it influences us as a person? I mean, from a perhaps a metaphysical perspective. That's a good question, Les. It's different for each person. What I found, what I find fascinating with my clients when I'm doing energy healing is how tuned in they are to how the food is affecting them. You gave the example of the root beer float. And um, a lot of clients, for example, know they don't feel good eating sugar or they don't feel good eating a lot of carbs. Quite honestly, tell me, you know, they like it, it makes them happy. So they haven't been able to make that transition, you know, away from something towards something else. And there's an expression that a lot of health coaches use, you know, in terms of um, what matters most to you in your life. And so I find the clients when I'm doing energy healing who are able to identify what matters most, i.e., I'm you know, want my cardiovascular system to be healthy, or I want to avoid taking medication for diabetes, or I really want my brain health to be good. I want to lose weight to be more mobile. They've clearly identified what matters most to them, and then for them it's easier to support their whole mind, body, spirit, energy system. It could mean changing their diet. It could mean going to sleep earlier. A lot of people I find they admit they, they don't sleep well or they're sleep deprived. Frequently that changes our hormones and cortisol and we crave sweets and carbs the next day. So especially people who work either long hours or crazy shifts, that can be an issue, including nurses, for example, or factory workers. So when I'm doing energy uh, healing, I'm, I'm helping people connect with their minds, body, spirits, and energy systems, and really helping them discover or reminding them what they already believe matters most to them and how they can best support their mind, body, spirits, energy system uh, based on the feedback that they already have, you know, whether it's pain or discomfort or uh, something that's been diagnosed, for example. There's a lot of uh, quick fixes in the uh, diet, lose weight industry. 
um, here, take this pill, you know, uh, since well, I like talking to guests like you that have uh, exposure to the populace, I mean, over 25 years, uh, some of the quick fix diet treatments out there have negative consequences. Can you talk about how can uh, a person vet or understand, you know, maybe they've been told to take this or take that, and yet they might take on some side effects or um, I, I, how do we how do we vet or or discern uh, a health or diet uh, strategy for us to lose weight or whatever as being um, the best possible choice for us? Because I do get you know a lot of questions from people about the weight loss drugs. I do feel it's a personal decision between a person and their doctor, their licensed healthcare practitioner. It's a big decision because based on the research, what I've read and seen so far is that once you start taking some of these drugs, you have to keep taking them for life or you gain the weight back. That may change in time. It just seems like that's what they know as of this moment. They also don't know what the long-term side effects will be. So having said that, um, back to everyone's physiology is very, very different. And if someone has tried a lot of diets and behavioral approaches and psychotherapy, I think you know, at times some amount of medication, some medication, I'm not saying what one, might be beneficial to support that transition you know, to changing the kind of foods that we crave or how much food we're craving. And I also believe, based on all the success stories I've seen through the years of people losing 50, 100 pounds, that with not just disciplined eating, but psychotherapy, for some people, 12-step programs have helped, Overeaters Anonymous, for example. Um, again, working with the psychotherapist and identifying trauma, being really diligent about not just mental eating, but exercise, sleep, self-care, that, you know, has transformed people's lives permanently, all those tools. So I, I would summarize that it's a very, very personal decision. You know, and maybe for some people, especially with a chronic disease or in a danger zone with a chronic disease, that may be the best option. And I think there might be some intermediate options with nutritional supplements and or perhaps some medications to support someone in the transition instead of the ones that um, it seems once you start taking them, you have to take for life. So I, I would say it's very personal between someone and their doctor and also their life history and psychological life history. Nice. So how has um, your eating journey evolved over time? If you were to look back before the aha moment with the pretzels, fast forward to today, uh, 
how has your relationship with food changed using the principles you discuss in your book? Well, I it's funny when I think about it, it's segmented almost by decades. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I was a child, I was actually a little heavy and chubby uh, because of some uh, extended family living with us and unpleasant emotions. And I know I used food to self-soothe and probably developed some habits of compulsive overeating. In junior high and high school, I lost the weight, did great. I was active and, you know, just was able to maintain a, a healthy, nice weight. When I went to college for nursing, I know I turned to food for comfort uh, with all the chemistry and organic chemistry and gained weight actually in college, you know, from that stress, which I experienced. Then out in the working world, I lost the weight again. I would say I can also look back and look at times of stress, say either moves or relationships ending at time I, times I turned to food. But then honestly, less once I started taking a lot of courses on the mind-body-spirit connection, learned tools of mindfulness, guided imagery, breathing exercises. It really made it much easier to kind of automatically practice these things. And then I started teaching the classes. So they say you teach what you need to learn most yourself. But the more classes I taught in corporations, in obesity and doing one-to-one counseling, one corporation had 5,000 employees. I was talking about it all the time. So it was really easy to imprint that and to practice it myself. And so it's become easier and easier in this chapter of my life than it was in the beginning when, frankly, I didn't have the tools. So I would encourage everyone to whatever path you're on of of spirituality to, uh, you know, Get some tools that work for you. For everyone, it's different. You know, for some, it's mindfulness. For others, it might be exercise or nature. Some people like guided imagery. Some just like doing breathing exercises on their own. For some people, it's journaling. Uh, a cardiologist I really respected and knew and uh, colleague with many years ago, Dr. Steve Sinatra, who wrote a book called Heartbreak and Heart Disease. He said there's a doorway into healing for everyone, and for everyone that doorway is different. I love that expression. So I'd say for everyone wanting to shift their self-care habits, there's a different doorway in. It might be nutrition, might be meditation, might be improved sleep. But it's all about self-love and self-care. So that's how I would just identify my journey. And now I would say it's it's given me, brought me so much joy that I want to share that with others, you know, having these tools. I like that. The, the, if I sit here and, and tune into my body, because I've been paying so much attention to my psyche, I'm, I'm, delighted i i love my body it's uh and i love to take care of my body 
I love to listen to my body. I love to listen to what my body wants. And having done that over time, I'm really ecstatic with joy that I've come to a place of just how how good I feel on on a normal day to day basis. It's I, I think to pay attention to the food, which is what your book is talking about point blank, to pay attention to our relationship with our food, that uh, over time down the road as you hone into what your body wants, I think you would be very grateful. Speaking of grateful, you talk about gratitude in a book about eating. How does gratitude mm-hmm. relate to what we eat? Well, from start to finish, Les, you know, in cultures around the world, traditions, people say grace before eating. And if people don't want to call it grace, uh, calling it being grateful for this food in front of us and the people who brought it to us from the fields, from the oceans, from wherever, picking, you know, the plants and vegetables. So I believe that gratitude is a great doorway into mindful eating. And that pause, that transition to I'm about to nourish my body instead of, you know, let's dive in and eat everything in two minutes. And then at the, at the end of a meal or towards the end when you're slowing down, being grateful for this nourishment you've been receiving. And I, again, think the gratitude towards the end of a meal can be a great transition to it's been so wonderful. Okay, I think I'm ready to stop. Even if there's food left on the plate or at a restaurant, I can wrap it up, put it in the refrigerator or at a restaurant, bring it home and be grateful for that nourishment. So it can help us in many ways. It can also help us in a grocery store, just saying I'm grateful for my health. What foods do I want to choose to, to put into my body? And I think those kinds of questions Less are the ones that I really focus on in my book about helping people change their relationship with eating and food for good. It's not about the diet. It's about nourishing our minds, bodies, and spirits. Talking about nourishment, you in the book you talk, you ask the question, what else nourishes me? What other kinds of nourishment am I seeking? What did you mean by that? Well, probably a lot of your listeners have seen a wheel of health or circle of health that's in many traditions around the world that has uh, like pieces of a pie, think of it. And it could have things like spirituality, career, energy, family, health, fun and recreation, friends, personal development, and even sleep. So when any of your listeners or any of us are thinking, what, okay, what kind of nourishment do I really need right now? I find, and I've found this with clients, actually, I, you know, hold up this circle of health or wheel of health and say, what, what area do you think maybe it would be helpful to work on in terms of nourishment, a lot of people to sleep, they know that that's 
that's kind of having their nourishment be askew. Some people have chosen family, friends, and social support, realizing they're lonely and they're turning to food out of loneliness. Others say, oh, you know what? Fun and recreation. I need to add more fun to my life. I'm substituting food instead of, you know, going out and joining a group or an activity or a gym. So I think, I think the circle of health or wheel of health, whatever you want to call it, is a great visual for all of us to tune in on. I could be different every day and ask ourselves in a deep way, what, you know, what uh, segment of it do I need to kind of amp up a little today to nourish myself in this way? Nice. Well, an hour goes by pretty fast. It's time to yes. put, our atten- put our attention on you. You've got the energyworkswisdom.com website. I, the book you've written, Why Am I Eating This? Is This the Nourishment I Need? Second edition. I, I think you've written a wonderful book here. You've got exercises and meditations you really take the reader through looking at their own personal relationship with food. And uh, it, it it's not overwhelming. It you've you've done a really good job with this. So tell us about how the audience can get your book. Um uh, if you work with clients, do is it one on one or is it online or both? Help our audience understand your books and your platform. Oh, thank you, Les. I'm happy to. The book is available on Amazon, either in paperback or Kindle. Uh, People can contact me directly through my website, energyworkswisdom.com. And I am offering a 20-minute complimentary consultation. People say they heard me on your show just give people a sense of my coaching sessions, whether it's energy healing or medical intuition, mind, body, spirit, uh, nourishment sessions. And I work with people via phone, Zoom, or in person. And I'm happy to connect with your listeners and give them more information. Thank you. Very nice. Well, do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? My closing thought is to remember that self-care equals self-love. And the nourishment we're putting into our body each day, whether it's food or sleep or water or friends or spirituality, is self-care and self-love. And offering ourselves all of that and self-compassion can really take us to a whole new level of awareness and, as you talked about earlier, enlightenment and a true appreciation for our true natures and spirits and souls. Well, wonderful. I want to thank you, Sandy, for being our guest tonight. I've really enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Les. I really appreciate all of your questions and uh, delving deep into the topic of nourishment. Thank you. We've been talking with Sandy Robertson, and the topic tonight is the title of her latest book, Why Am I Eating This? 
it's uh, our persona, our our genome. I, I choose I choose the word persona and I choose the word genome because typically we don't have an emotional attachment to those words. For example, if I say God, or heaven forbid, say the word love, every one of us has a history with those words, and the, and that history might be kind of painful. I mean, how many over the centuries, how many people have died at the hand of, of quote, God, unquote? The idea that we're fighting a holy battle and we're fighting a holy war, or the word love. Last time I fell in love, I had my heart ripped out, and that sucks, and I don't want to ever feel that way again. So I'm going to stay away from that love potion. Well, if we're if we're looking at our our this persona, this genome, this this collage of energy, both physical and etherical. Right now in this moment, you, right now, you have a collage of energy in your own psyche. Is there unresolved anger in that? Is there heartache? Is there doubt? Is there self-sabotage? When you're on your spiritual journey, there's there's not a, a magic pill. It, it's not like... Uh, Poof, done, I'm enlightened, and now everything is trivial. <laughs> I, I would suggest uh, the, the path to enlightenment is, is you, can, you can go up and, and be fully uh, immersed in the, the light, the Christ consciousness, the non-local um, light that's at your core, you can go experience that and then come back into your life. And and the difference between those two, enlightenment and your life, the pathway to fully embody enlightenment in your day-to-day life is to move into vibrational equivalent, to move your real-time now persona move the vibration of your genome, evolve it, migrate it, move it towards resonance with the light that's at the core of your being. That's the journey to enlightenment. So, well, shucky darn, I want to, I'm on my spiritual journey, some bitch. I'm on my way to heaven. Get the hell out of my way. What the hell does it look like to, to take that journey to enlightenment? Well, it's a, it, there's no free ride here. If you've got unresolved anger in your psyche and that's vibrationally incongruent with enlightenment, well, part of your spiritual journey is to turn around and look inside and resolve the junk in your trunk, to resolve the 
unresolved emotional composition of your subconscious to resolve your relationship with your emotions to to vet and weed out and purify your thoughts so many people have the same thoughts day in and day out the thousands of thoughts they had today are pretty much a replica of yesterday and you better believe they're going to have the same cluster of thoughts tomorrow well if a lot of those thoughts aren't congruent with love you're being judgmental you're being bitter you're being whatever well, you're going to want to root those those mental constructs, those mental patterning, those mental habits, root out the ones that are not in vibrational equivalence with what you want to accomplish with your consciousness. The, the masters, they... They learned how to embody the light that's at the core of their being. They moved the rest of their being into alignment with the light. I am the light. The metaphorical father and I are one. So here you are, you've listened to this episode. I want to salute you, the listener. You showed up for yourself today, and I appreciate you showing up for yourself. Life's life's a very exciting thing when you come into alignment with it. It's, uh, It's always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. I'm your host, Les Jensen. You've been listening to a new human living broadcast. If you're a spiritual seeker, you're going to eventually bump up against your relationship with God, especially if you grew up in some of the more classic Western religions. Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior, is a spiritual book written for spiritual seekers to help them heal their relationship with God and more fully embody their own life purpose. Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. Get your copy. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Thanks for listening. Until next time.